0: Welcome Welcome. to the Service MVP Podcast. This This. is where you go to learn how to use pure motive service to create higher value to grow grow your results. And now, here is your host, America's Service Sales Coach, Joe Crisera.
1: Hello, this is Joe Crisera, America's Service Sales Coach. This week's episode will be on should I leave the proposal behind or not. Please listen, learn, and enjoy this exciting subject. All right, everybody, welcome to the Hour of Sales Power. My name is Joe Crusera, and I am here to join you today. And the subject of our meeting today is, should I leave the proposal behind or shouldn't I? This is a very uh, important uh, subject because uh, it can be a critical point uh, in HVAC sales as to uh, the information being left behind or not being left behind and how critical it can be to your success and uh, truly separate you from what I call a level one uh, DEFCON 1 type of sales professional uh, as opposed to being an also-ran who just kind of always wishes that he had sales or wishes that uh, customers would call him back. So this is the difference between a real pro and somebody who's sitting on the bench And and like any kind of thing, like in sports, for instance, uh, if you're an NFL quarterback, that could just be enough uh, accomplishment for for you. Uh, But if you want to be Tom Brady, uh, this is the next step higher. And that's what we're talking about. This one habit or this one thing, whether you made a decision to go out there, find issues in people's homes, and then uh, find out what's going on. They called you, they invite you in their home and there's an issue, and whether or not you leave this information behind if you don't get the job right now is the critical thing. Do we leave it behind or don't we? That is the question. That sounds like a Shakespearean uh, uh, quotation, but uh, this thing may be, again, the mo- one, of the most, uh, uh, one of the most inspirational meetings we've had so far, and I hope that you enjoy it. And we're expecting our host, uh, Rick Picard, to join us very shortly. He is on a sales call closing a deal from one of his <coughs> tech-generated leads. And so I'm have to carry the show solo, so hang in there with me. And, of course, if you want to call in, don't forget to call in on our phone line. Our open line is 419-400-0202. And the code to enter the conference when you go on the phone line is 522-910. And that will get you on the phone line. And when we open the lines, we'll be able to go ahead and uh, get any comments or questions uh, from you. So I will open the lines throughout the show. And we'll get your comments. Of course, I might do it sooner than later given the fact that Rick is running a little bit late. Uh, let's a little bit talk about the language of selling. And I want to, I want to begin by commenting on that and how important the language of selling is. What I mean by the language of selling is that word proposal. So should we leave our proposal behind, uh, is a, is a good question. Why, why do we, why do we call it a proposal is anybody's guess. Uh, the word proposal, the word bid, and the word estimate, I believe is a big mistake. To even use that language uh, puts the salesperson at a disadvantage to start with. It's like saying that we're bidding on something as if the customer has something that we want as opposed to the other way around, which is really the truth. The customer would not call you out there if he did not want a solution from you. And so many times with the wrong language, we already kind of start off on the wrong foot and Yes, it is as terrible as it sounds. It's like, uh, you know, uh, buyers come out there making you bid. The, the lowest bidder gets the job. But is that really the way it should work? Is a bid or an estimate really the way that uh, people buy the finest products that they, that they purchase for themselves? I don't think that you go out and get bids when you go looking for an iPod or when you look for some of the computer equipment you buy or some of the nice sound systems or the, or the wheels for your car. You aren't looking for bids on that. You're just looking for the best product. Uh, and let's face it. I think a lot of us fall prey to the fact that uh, our childhood and our memories about the way we purchase influence the way we think that customers might purchase as well. Well, taking this to a next step, this language kind of leads us into a situation that uh, will uh, would, would bring us right into a thing where we're just part of the pack. And so you have to make a decision, leaving your proposal behind, Definitely separates you from the pack. So when we say should you leave it behind or shouldn't you leave it behind, I want to qualify a couple things here. First, I don't think anybody should leave the proposal behind. Uh, I'm just going to say that flat out. But I think that if you don't know what you're doing, that you probably should leave the proposal behind. If you don't have the strategy and you don't know what to do after you leave the proposal, if, after you don't leave it behind, you have to have a, a system that kind of encapsulates those customers. Because you don't want to lose customers. Uh, due to this process, you want this to gain more customers and sell jobs, and that's the purpose of this whole thing. Uh, but I would ask you, some, I would ask you a question. Generally speaking, if you are going to buy something important for your home, like landscaping or a furnace or a boiler or a new faucet, something that's going to be in the home for a long time, stereo system, you know, anything, would you tend to buy this important thing that you don't know anything about? from somebody who is more like a leader or somebody who's more like a follower. And that's what you have to kind of ask yourself. How do I want to be viewed by this customer? Uh, Do you want to be viewed with high integrity or do you want to be viewed with low integrity? Do you want to be viewed as somebody who is in charge of this process or somebody who is just kind of following through the process and really has no influence uh, in the way the sales turns out? And I will tell you, this is the biggest PowerPoint to take control of your sales. If you are leaving proposals behind, the second that proposal or that presentation is left behind with that buyer, that is the second and that is the moment that you lose control of the sale. That's, the, that's it right there. In a nutshell, it might be the most important moment that occurs on, sale, on a sales call, and, and that's really uh, my belief and my, my bottom line. Now, are you you wondering how many times a buyer uh, will actually call you back after you left behind a proposal? Well, this is interesting. A lot of people don't know this, but I did a study back in 2002. Of course, it's an informal study. I'm not part of a university or anything like that. But I'm I'm able to do studies. What I did in 2002, I worked with a company in southern Wisconsin, and they had a a lack of belief in the system. Uh, They weren't really sure that it would work or not. And what what, what what happened was, uh, at, the, at this company, I, I made a challenge. They weren't my clients yet. I said, tell you what, the next 100 calls you go on that you leave information behind, let's go ahead and make a And he took it by, the bull by the horns. He made a study of this. He, he made a sheet up, and, and we tracked every call. And we did over a 100 calls, 106 calls to be exact, under this kind of a study. What we studied was if we leave the information behind and then get the customer to agree to call us back at a certain day or time, how many times do you think that buyer called back at the exact date and time out of 106 people? Well, in case you're wondering, I won't leave you in suspense very much longer. The answer to that is nobody called back. Out of 106 people, not one customer called back, which, again, shows you the problem. It's the problem we have. We, we, we take faith in the buyer that they will follow through and they will go ahead and do what they say they're going to do. But rarely do they ever do it. Matter of fact, in that study of 106 customers, only three customers ever called back at all. Meaning they called back afterwards, uh, to say they didn't get the job or they did get the job, but it wasn't a very high percentage of people who even bothered to call. Usually it takes a call by us to remind the customer to get it done. Rick, with that being said, we're gonna take a little pause now. Rick, are you there on the phone yet? I thought I heard something Yeah, hey, How up you there.
2: doing?
1: How you doing, buddy? Go ahead, say something. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. All
2: right, how you doing,
1: Joe? I'm doing great. Uh, you just been listening. You've been listening to me wax philosophical over here.
2: Yeah, just a little bit. You know, like I, said, I was on a sales call, so I, I'm on my cell
1: phone. Uh huh. So, Rick, uh, that's okay. Let me ask you a question, Rick. Uh, did you do you see a problem with leaving this, the proposal behind? What's your What's your take on? Just give me the overall your overall take on this subject.
2: Well, you know, since dealing with you, Joe, I mean, obviously before I didn't really see a problem with it. I used to do it all the time. But now it just doesn't make any sense to me because all I'm doing is uh, uh, leaving them uh, information that could be shared with my competitors. Uh, and, you know, that really wasn't a big deal before because before I didn't do anything different than anybody else. So, you know, it was just like basic p- proposal. Yes,
1: yeah, so it didn't make any difference when you were doing the same as everybody else, right?
2: right it didn't really matter. But now that I'm doing... Something that is so much more beneficial to the company, where I'm doing all these different packages and programs and, and options, that to leave that information behind for someone else to mull through and learn from uh, would be catastrophic to me. I feel so. I really feel the company uh, can't afford to leave this proprietary information behind.
1: Well, especially from a company like yours, Rick, who invested so much money over the past couple of years, uh, you know, in me. Yeah, uh, teaching all the uh, people at the shop and at the at the location, uh, both management and uh, employees, uh, how to how to use this process. You're right. It would be malpractice on any employee's part. And I think that any company who makes it a policy to release proprietary information that the company has paid for is simply uh, not a very bright operator, right, Rick?
2: Right. It's just foolish. It's very a bad thing to do.
1: So what are some of the problems? Well, some of the problems are, you know, that if you leave your presentation behind, what you're really telling the customer is that you're not needed, that there's no value in you as a salesperson. And so, therefore, the customer could pretty much take a blank sheet of paper and just fill out their own presentation if they wanted to. It's almost like they could go online and buy it. The salesperson is not needed, right? I mean, Rick, do you ever get some people who say things like that to you, like they have a lack of respect for uh, the salesperson? Do you ever feel that sometimes with buyers?
2: Oh, yes. I mean, I just had someone the other day who said to me, you know, I don't know why they even had to come over here. I don't know why, you you know, I just couldn't tell you a thousand dollars. You could have mailed it to me.
1: You could have just mailed it. You don't even got to come out and look at the situation, right?
2: Right. You know, yeah. And you know, obviously, that didn't make me feel too good. Maybe, you know, it really made me feel needed. Right, needed, right Joe?
1: Yes, but of course, we know you got, we got, we you got poor self-esteem, right, Rick?
2: Absolutely, I, I was just
1: heartbroken. I'm sure if we asked everybody at your shop, they'd all say you you, you lack poor you lack self-esteem. Oh, that's
2: my that's my uh, my my uh, my problem. I have You're, to work on
1: that. It's your Achilles' heel. All right, so 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 number number two, it shows also I think that if you if you leave your proposal behind, or if you go ahead and leave that behind, that you've taken the time to create the proposal, to ask all the questions, to do the research to take what's inside that head of yours, uh, all the knowledge about plumbing, heating, electrical, and then release it, it shows that you have no value on your time. Rick, did you ever think about the waste of time that must be done by some salespeople just giving us information? What are your comments on that?
2: Well, I don't have to think about it, Joe, because I did it for so many years. I know exactly. Uh, I spent tons of time educating the customer, and, uh, you know, really uh, fill in my candies, as, as you would say, not only in leaving the proposal, but just in my whole presentation process, educating them so that they could go and buy for something cheaper, you know. So right. uh, there was a lot of time and effort that we went into that, and, and uh, not to mention uh, paper and ink, print out these proposals and leaving them with uh, people.
1: Right. Well, on top of that, Rick, I always, here's what I kind of find. I find that, you know, if you leave the proposal behind and then just wait for a phone call, I think that is very poor. If you're a struggling salesperson who's really on the bubble and considering that maybe you don't feel like sales is a really good career for you uh, because you've had such lack of success, to leave it behind and wait for answers uh, certainly cannot be good for your self-image as a sales professional, can it?
2: No, it can't. It really just shows you don't value that what you do or your, your proposal uh uh, very much. And really, you know, it's not a good way to differentiate yourself from everybody else, that's for sure. Yeah,
1: how, would, how would you expect the customer to pay for your time and pay for your installation if you're showing that you don't value your time either, that there's no value on my time? I, I come out here for free and just cough it all up and let you have it. I don't know how people think that uh, this, is, this, this produces or shows any value about what they do. I think the worst thing you do is the moment you leave it behind is that you really lose control of the process, right, Rick? I mean, you know, if you're going to go back to your boss, and you know, well, you know what this looks like, right? When you go back to your boss and they ask you uh, how that sales call you had go, and you, of course, have no idea how it's going because you left the information behind and nobody, there's no resolution, and you know the story. You've been on how, how many hundred calls you got to go on and hear the customer say that he's going to uh, – uh, give you a call and he never calls you back before you realize that you're just not going to get a call back, right? Right, and he, you and know,
2: I'm, and that's a good point. How many times have I heard a customer say to me, well, I'll give you a call one way or the other? I've never had anybody call me up. And all the years I've been doing this, uh, that didn't call to give me the job.
1: Yeah, matter of fact, we got that. I just told, I was, you probably came in during that thing. I talked about that study we did in 2002 of 106 sales sequences. Where nobody called back at the promised time or date, and only three people bothered to call at all, letting them know what the situation was. I didn't hear
2: that, but that's been my experience. I've never had anybody ever, uh, call me back after they said that they, you know, that they would. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll call you back one way or another. If you didn't know, we'll call you. You did such a good job. Yeah, I don't
1: think anybody would have a hard time believing that nobody would call back. (laughs) If you've been doing this for a little while, uh, you couldn't even be doing it for a couple months. You wouldn't re- you would realize that if you leave behind information and wait for a phone call back, uh you're just not you're gonna be waiting a long time. As a matter of fact, I hope your life doesn't depend on it because uh you might as well put a nail in your coffin with that one, right, Rick? Right. Right. All right. Well See so- uh,
2: it's just it's just like with the dating scene. Like, don't call me, I'll call you, you
1: know? <laughs> yeah, what does that mean when you go ask ask a girl for a date and she says, Yeah, don't worry, we'll give you a call back.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's, like, it's kind of makes for a pretty lonely time. <laughs> or, or if you, or, no one's gonna be calling
1: you. Of course, if you ask a woman, she'd probably say the same thing. How many guys have promised to call her back, right? As opposed to, I'll pick you up tomorrow. Uh, she says, I'll give you a call, right? And, uh, how many women have heard that line, that line before? It works both ways, doesn't it? So we
2: don't want to be falling for that, right, Joe?
1: No, that's the oldest one in the book. You know, hey, you know, when the customer says, Rick, to me, don't call us, we'll call, you know, when the customer says, hey, don't worry, I'll give you a call back, I always go, now, John, are you telling me the oldest line in the book, don't call us, we'll call you? Come on. If I fell for that one, what kind of a salesperson would I be? I, I, I always I always like to have a good, fun laugh with that one because, you know what, if I fall for that one, I, I have to be the worst salesperson in the world to actually believe that somebody would call me back when they say, don't call us, we'll call you. That's like uh, uh, P.T. Barnum said, suckers born every minute, right? Right, exactly. Right. So what should your presentation – let's talk about presentations – so we're going to change the language of presentation uh, proposals. We're not going to call it a proposal or an estimate or a bid. What we're going to call it <clears throat> is a presentation or solutions. Okay. So right at the bat, I want to change that language and let's stop talking about estimates. Let's stop talking about proposals because you know, this isn't a marriage, not a proposal. It's not a not an auction. It's not a bid like eBay. And this is certainly not an estimate. I'm not estimating. I'm giving you a firm price, and I'm going to I'm going to account on that price, right? So what is an estimate? An estimate. To me, create solutions for customers. It different. It's got to differentiate you from the pack. It has to give customers options for the easy way to get this done, and uh, the the way that where they, they do no work and, and they have the most premium option, all the way down to the least expensive options, which they do a little bit more work. They have to call for uh, their their service and maintenance needs. Uh, it's got to persuade customers to take action, uh, and they, the the options themselves should be used as a negotiating tactic in this in this sense. It should eliminate the desire for having to shop around. When you make a good presentation, there should be no need to shop around. You've given them the best options and the worst options and options in the middle. And so when you uh, give a good presentation, uh, it creates status, quality, and it makes the company look good because it differentiates you, like you said, Rick. So a good presentation, if you made a good presentation, you should expect an answer at the end of the presentation. And that, that law of expectation should be working in your favor because, uh, if you've done a good job and you've hit all the right notes, why shouldn't you get a yes or no? Right? Right. So, uh, let's con, so, and the bottom line I think is this Rick, I don't think that your boss deserves to get a yes every time, do you?
2: Absolutely he does.
1: He does? Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> but he's not no, going get- to but no, he, uh, well he does, he does, he's a great guy, so he does deserve it. But, uh, I, ho- I wish he would get them all. But you know he, he he doesn't he doesn't deserve a yes every time. But what is what does he deserve, Rick?
2: No, he deserves an answer. He deserves a yes or a no either way. That's what I owe him.
1: Yeah. So I think I think he deserves to get a conclusion to the call. He he deserves, like you said, to get an answer to the call. I think that's really why uh, what uh, what what things are doing. So, but I will tell you one thing, guys. Um, you know, I don't want you. I don't want to just irritate customers because what, what would be malpractice would be for me to tell you to not leave your presentation behind, but not give you a few guidelines as to how to do it. We talked to that gentleman last week, and this will kind of inspired this meeting this week, was last week the gentleman from Dallas, Texas. He might even be on the phone line. We'll see if we can scare him up uh, from over in Texas talking about how he did get a customer kind of upset with him when he, when, he, when he didn't leave it behind, right? Now, Rick, do customers get anxious and anxiety when you say you're not going to leave it behind sometimes?
2: Well, you know, they can. There has been occasion where it's happened to me, but I find it's, it's best to set it up so that they understand, even before you make the presentation, that what the conclusion is going to be at the end of the presentation, a yes or a no. I mean, I, I think I've told you in the past that I'm not very good with uh, uh, not leaving it behind. Uh, so, you know, if a customer says, well, you're going to leave that with me, uh, I haven't been very good at... Uh, not leaving the really welcome, to get out of step with me. So what I've done is I make sure that before I leave it, before I make my presentation, we already have uh, an agreement on what the solution is going to be at the end of the presentation. So-
1: right, right. Now, before, and of course, before you come to an agreement, Rick, one of the things you got to do is kind of clarify the decision factors, right, because you have to figure out why they're doing this work, uh, what, what the competition's role in this job is, if they have any role, uh, have they used people before? Uh, about your company, uh, what's their what's their perception of your company, and who else is involved with the siding? And finally, when they're hoping to make a decision and move forward, those are all those are all important factors to know, isn't it, Rick? Before you right. attempt, it wouldn't make sense to try to attempt to make an agreement when those factors have not been uh, clarified or identified yet, right?
2: Right. Exactly. Now, uh, just to use a use a point, I I just went to a first call. Um, uh, just tonight, and I, I I had them convince me of their need. They obviously need a new furnace. They're having problems with the power venter with the furnace, uh, and they uh, they really want to get it done. And I said, no, I just want to confirm, uh, you're not going to make a decision on this tonight, right? <laughs> yeah. but they, right? And, and they said, oh, no, oh, you're right. Yeah, no, we have uh, this other company coming out tomorrow afternoon. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, so when do they can be ready to make a decision? Um. Uh, well, I mean, we, we're probably going to be able to make it uh, on Saturday. I said, all right, so what time on Saturday should I come back? Mm-hmm. So I'm going back there at 2 o'clock on Saturday. So, And then I said, all right, well, here's the, here's the thing. Uh, you mind if I ask a question? Uh, they said, no, well, I'm just when I come back on Saturday and you don't like what I have to say, what are you going to say? Mm-hmm. And, the, and the customer said, well, I'm going to say no. I said, all right, but if you do like what I'm going to say, well, then what are you going to say? So I'm going to say yes. It's all right. So we have it clear. When I come back, you're going to tell me yes or no, right? They said, oh, yeah, sure enough. So now I've set it up so that on Saturday when I go back, I we already have it are cleared up. They're going to give me a yes or no response. And so now there's really no, if they say no on Saturday, there's no reason for me to leave anything behind.
1: <laughs> you know, I always leave something behind when you've agreed to make a decision, right? Right. <coughs> Excuse me. So, Rick, um... There's three factors here. One, so number one, get all the decision factors under under control. Who's going to make a decision? When are they going to decide? And why are we doing this? Two, make sure you align your presentation on the same date that the decision will be made. So the two fingers here. I'm, I'm on TV. You'll see those two fingers. I've got to line up. If you can make the decision date the same day as you're making a presentation, odds are you got a pretty good chance of getting the job. Uh and the last thing is make sure you get an agreement as to before you make a presentation that what will happen after I make this presentation. And you don't kind of say go for yes. A matter of fact, Rick, what's the first thing I always tell you to ask for? Uh, do, do I tell you to say, are you going to buy this if I make a presentation? That's a silly question, right? What do I normally have you say?
2: Yeah, you know, if 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 you don't like what I uh, have to say, what are you going to say? And if you do like what are you going to say, so – let them know that there's a, there's a, there's a, a definitive con- conclusion to what we're doing at the end of the presentation.
1: Right. Now, if you have a customer who wants to break that agreement, so you made an agreement. So what's important is you made an agreement, and I'm going to expand this a little bit further, that you don't just make an agreement before you make your presentation. Uh, now, this is mainly on, like, equipment calls or equipment opportunity or bigger jobs, uh, the kind of you want to call free, the classic free estimate type of jobs, uh, but opportunities. On service calls, we pretty much know this is all accelerated because there's not an issue on this. But on sales calls, it's a little different because, uh, you're out there giving this information all, you're doing it all for nothing. And so therefore, you, you deserve, you deserve an answer and you have a right to get that answer. So what happens when the customer wants to break their agreement? I mean, what, what, what can we do? And we look at ourselves. Are we? Are we being? If we we go ahead and let that customer break an agreement, Rick, what does it say about our our integrity at that point? If the customer says, "I want to think about it," can I keep this proposal? What does that say about our integrity at
2: that point? At at that point, we really lose all credibility. So if you know if if we if we had an agreement up front and then the customer breaks it and don't call them on that, now I've lost credibility and I'm not really serious about what I'm doing, right? So if if I make a representation to them and I get the "I want to think about it." After that, what I'll say to him, you know, Joe, you mind if I ask you a question?
1: Sure, go ahead.
2: You know, before I came in, we had a, a conclusion, you know, we had an agreement that we, what was going to happen at the end of the presentation?
1: Uh, I was supposed to tell you yes or no.
2: Okay. So, you know, I just wondering, what did I do to make you feel as though like you couldn't say yes or no?
1: Oh, you didn't do anything, Rick. It's just that I didn't know it would be this much money.
2: All right, all right. Well, which one are you looking at?
1: Well, like the third one. That's just I like that one actually. All right, which one? The third one.
2: The third one. Well, why are you looking at that one? I mean, look at it. the so For less money, be uh, below that one. What do you think of this one below that?
1: No, I like the third one better, Rick. I don't want to go cheaper.
2: Well, well, well tell me what do you what do you like about that, Joe? Well,
1: it's got the better warranties, the better service. It's got that's the one. It's the one I like. All right. So what should I do? Yeah, you're right. Let's just go ahead and do that one. All right. And that's how it sounds, right? Like that's that's kind of kind of the music to your ears. You can kind of hear the music being played, right? Right. You've, you've probably heard that music uh, quite a few times over the last year. After you sold about five and a half million this year in residential replacement, you've got to have uh, heard that a few hundred times, uh, probably, huh? Exactly. <laughs> so, so, uh, so the bottom line is that you're right. Hey, you're not done. There's no reason to focus on not leaving the proposal behind. You got to reshift the focus. On, well, hang on for a second, John. Why should I leave it behind? You you have no interest in this, right? Like I like what you did there, Rick. You basically reversed the question. It's a technique I call reversing and taking away. You say, well, John, why should I leave it behind? I mean, let's let's can we admit something? Like you have no interest in this, right? And they go, no, I have an interest in the third one. We're like what's so good about that? And then the customer tells you all the good. They sell the job to you. What's well, got the better warranties? And they start selling the job. Then of course in the end you say, what should we do? Since they sold the job to you, it should be easy. They should just buy the job then at that point, right?
2: Exactly. Right.
1: So, but there are some reasons. Um, if you want reasons, if customers ask for reasons, some, don't you get some customers, Rick? I've heard. I've seen this one a few hundred times myself. When I, I tell people, listen, John, uh, I'm not going to be able to leave the proposal behind. I can't. I can't leave that presentation behind. That's, that's not yours. That's ours. And they go. Right. And they go. What? What do you mean? And they're dumb. They're dumbfounded. Right. Right. And I go back into it, I say, well, you're not interested, right? And they go into the whole thing. They say, I still want to keep that. Can I still keep that? And I just say to them, I, got, I do have some reasons. If you want some reasons, I'm going to give you some. Uh, first of all, it's sales malpractice to leave the customer with that information. It's kind of like leaving a loaded gun with a child. It's just not a good idea because this is a lot of information and it's being left to interpret it and it's going to kill your sale. I'm going to guarantee that. That you're going to, it's like, I call it malpractice. Uh, secondly, this is proprietary information the company's paid for, and it's not fair to to you and to the company to give this information up unless you get an agreement to go ahead with the work. Uh, thirdly, um, you get, you kind of refuse to do free consulting because Rick, where is this information going to wind up eventually if you keep leaving it behind? If you left hundreds of proposals behind, eventually who's going to be seeing this information?
2: Oh, uh, definitely a competition will, for sure.
1: Yeah, so the competition is going to be reading this. Pretty soon, you're going to have the competition's logo with your presentation sheet on on it, right? Exactly. You're going to have them t- t- just take a stamp and put their stamp right on the presentation sheet. Um, also, I think don't you think it's just bad customer service, Rick? I mean, you, you, see, you see anything about that?
2: Yeah, so really, it's just for me to leave it with them, for them to interpret it on their own. Uh, really, is bad service. And I'll tell a customer. I said, you know what? For me to leave this with you to to try to um, you know, figure out all these different options and on your own. It really would be bad service on my part. You know, I'm more than happy. Uh, I'm very willing to come back anytime you want and go over this as many times as you want. Uh, if so, you know, what time would it be good for me to come back?
1: Yeah. So, so I just want you're putting your you're you're putting service first and defaulting to service first. So, if you're getting a person wants to think about it, now's not the time to leave. Now's there's they're, they're saying basically, I need help to think about this. Good service is I hang in there and I help you. I don't leave. I don't leave you. Right.
2: And otherwise, Joe. They'll say it's like, oh, I want to keep this, and uh, I really like everything you did. I want to show it to you my, to my, to my wife.
1: Mm-hmm. Now who's the sales guy? You are. You were You or him, right?
2: Right. Exactly. That's what I say to him. I'll say to him, you know what? I, I, you know, what do you, what, what do you do for a living? Oh, I, I'm, a, I'm a banker. I'm like, you know, if I'm, I'm probably, I know I wouldn't be a very good banker. You know, I, I. You know, who do you think would do a better job explaining this to your wife? You as a banker, or me as a heating and air conditioning specialist.
1: <laughs> How does that go usually? What do they usually say?
0: They usually laugh, right?
2: they <laughs> Yeah, they laugh. They laugh. They say, "Yeah, I guess you're right." I says, "You know, what? so I'm willing to, have to come by anytime you want and meet with your wife and you and and we'll uh, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll represent to her because I know I I know I'm gonna do a better job than you." Right, right. <laughs> and they laugh. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, you will. You, you, you know. Yeah, well, you—you well, you told me I did such a good job. You know, I'd like to show her what a good job I can do.
1: Right, right.
2: So that's you know, right. That's, well, when, that's right. Yeah. When, when is your wife going
1: to be here? So yeah, who, who's the sale? Who's the uh, HVAC or plumber or electrician anyway? You or them? Right. So why, why, why should why should they do your job for you? It doesn't make sense to have them do your job, right?
2: I, mean, I don't I, I don't close loans for them. You know.
1: That's right. You don't. If they're <laughs> a nurse, if they're a nurse, you don't go to the hospital and start doing nursing, do you?
2: Right, exactly.
1: (laughs) That's a good one, Rick. Hey, Rick, um, let's talk. I just want to say one thing. I'm going to make a follow-up on this whole point here. And where a lot of salespeople say they think it's weird that you wouldn't leave a proposal behind, wouldn't leave the company information behind, I'm going to tell you how off-code you are with the way normal business is. This is just bad business to leave things like this behind. I'm going to tell you why. Imagine, Rick, if you went into a Walmart or a Nordstrom's, or a Starbucks, or any store, any national chain store. Imagine if you had a camera and just started taking pictures of their displays and their pricing. What do you think would happen in about 20 seconds?
2: Uh, security would be there to escort you out.
1: You would be, I tell you what, try this sometime. Go get yourself a camera, just a cheap camera at the dime store, and, is there a dime store anymore? I mean, a, I mean a pharmacy, and, you <laughs> <because laughs> how old I am, huh Rick? Dime store, that's a funny one. So, (laughs) so go into, uh, go into a Walgreens or a CVS and buy, I tell you what, buy the camera at Walgreens and then start taking pictures of the displays at Walgreens with the prices on the display and see what happens at the Walgreens or see what happens at Nordstrom's or at Walmart. I'll bet you wouldn't be in there 30 seconds. Matter of fact, I brought cameras into Walmart before to take pictures of certain things. And they said, you can't, I've been warned before I even go in, you can't, hey, just so you know, that thing's not on, is it? You can't use that camera in here. You know that, right? And they watch you like a hawk. And tell you what, when I was one time in Nordstrom's, I had my camera with me in Nordstrom's, they followed me around like I was a Unabomber, for God's sake. They, th- they thought I was going to uh, blow the store up or something like that. I mean... So, I do look like him. Well, of course, I do look a little bit like Kaczynski, right? So uh, well, he's from Illinois. He's from the Chicago area too. So we're kind of brothers, you know. We we used to we used to hang out and play darts together. No, I'm just teasing. We never never did that. Uh, but <laughs> but too, we just had a few drinks. So we didn't play darts. But uh, I'm just teasing. So uh, <laughs> oh, this is a fun show, Rick. Uh, I'm glad you could join us even on the cell phone. Thanks for joining us anyway. By the way, um, so I want to say that you're off code. By thinking that it's normal to give your company information out, this is not normal. This is just bad business. And let's just say that. Now, Rick, as you said before, you don't want to get customers ticked off at you. So there's got to be a plan B, right? Sometimes, let's say you got a customer who looks really close and you got a good relationship going and you feel like you could say almost anything to this customer. Like, if you feel your relationship is really there, I think it's okay to have plan B if you want to. I think you should go through all the stuff you you can to try to help the customer get the sale and help them come to a conclusion. But I would say it's okay to have a Plan B provided there's some rules involved with Plan B, right, Rick? i mean, you just can't you just can't have Plan B and leave the proposal behind right. just just because you get along with people. And so uh, I,
2: I I have a couple of them. So like if if someone if I give them a presentation and they really want to think about it for a day or. They, really, they' seem really interested mm-hmm. first thing I'll do is I'll have them say I'll have them' we'll pick out which one they're they're considering thinking about right I'll pick that one and I said so I won't leave them my whole presentation I, I'll leave them that one with their stipulation all right so how long do you need to think about this and believe it or not I've had people say well how about so tonight right and I I've said all right well hey, it's seven o'clock but I'll come back at seven o'clock. Uh, or i come back the next day or whatever. But the thing is, I make a definite appointment when I'm going to come back and pick up the presentation, that portion of my presentation. Right. Uh, that, that's mine. And if I was to return to the office without that presentation, I would be in trouble.
1: Yes. So if you want to go to plan B, plan B is that, okay, you, you've evaluated this customer to say, Listen, I'm really getting along with these people. I, I know everybody by the first name. I've known them for years, whatever. You've, you've got a good, good relationship, and you can feel it's good. But if you don't feel it's a good relationship, absolutely you cannot use plan B. Right, Rick? Right. I mean, there's no reason for plan B because your relationship is not there. If you can feel that there's a, a wall between you and the customer, then why are you leaving information behind with a stranger? You, you, have, you can't trust this person at all. You haven't gained a relationship yet, right? So, first of all, it's got to be a customer who you've got a good relationship with that you can trust. Secondly, like you said, Rick, uh, get down to which one they are interested in. Thirdly, set a deadline, you know, of no more than 24 hours. If you want to say the worst case, maybe over the weekend. If you're there on a Friday or Saturday, I'll give you till Monday. But I'll tell you what, Monday at 4 o'clock, or you, you, what time should I come back on Monday? I'm going to come back. If they say no, I'm, don't come back. We'll call you. Then absolutely do not leave the information behind. Then do not use Plan B. Abort Plan B. Plan B means that I'll leave the information behind. I'm going to set a deadline and I'm going to come back at the end of the deadline to pick up my presentation or pick up a check. And that's Plan B. I mean, it's fair, right? You get the I'm not saying you can't have it. If okay, you want to keep it, I'll let you keep it, John. I'll give you the weekend till Monday. But I'll come back here at 4 o'clock on Monday, Monday afternoon, and I'm going to pick up the proposal or pick up a check. And I'll tell you what, if you, don't, if, you if you haven't made a decision by 4 o'clock on Monday, John, I'm going to tell you it's over. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you it's a no. Because if you can't make a decision in three days, uh, you've already had four other estimates here. We've already, we've already determined the decision process. So if you can't make that decision in, in, in three days or four, in 24 hours, then really you aren't going to go with my company. Right, Rick? We've got to be honest at that point, right? Right. Exactly. So if you get back there, then obviously you can either close the job or close, close the deal or close the file at that point, right? But I will tell you one thing, Rick. On those kind of leave-behinds, it's kind of like you should be prepared to lose the sale, I would say, because even that, I would say it's not really a solid thing. But I have sold quite a few like that. I would say percentage-wise, probably, you know, 40%, 50% I have closed like that, leaving it behind like that. You know, But I would say it's not a high percentage, would you?
2: All right. Say fifty percent, maybe for me a little bit more because you know I have found that every once in a while there is someone who's just the type of person who likes to sit on things for a day, um, and and it's worked out pretty well for me, but it's, it's only because I've done it like ten times. <laughs>
1: right, exactly.
2: <laughs> you know, it, it's not a very uh, off, uh, common occurrence.
1: Exactly. So, all right. So we're going to just kind of recap the meeting here again. And Rick, again, I want to thank you very much for joining us and for. Uh, taking a time between your sales calls. And here, here he is. I'm not even sure what kind of uh, 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 to uh, to to get to the point where you uh, to call between the calls. Wait a second. We do have a comment online. Gary Bailey said, if you forget to get a yes or no, commit on the first trip, how do you recover? So, Rick, let's say that if you forget, let's say when you're on the first trip that you forget to get an agreement, uh, Gary is wondering, on that second call, when you come back and make that presentation, how can you recover now at that point?
2: Just right up front, so you can just say it. You know, I, I I forgot to mention it just the other day, but here's uh, kind of how uh, here's kind of my policy on this type of situation, and I and I have to ask him the questions again. You know, if uh, we, I'm going to show you my presentation, uh, uh, if, if 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 you if you don't like what I have to um, show you today, what are you, you going to say? And just go through that again. I'm going to say no. And if you do like what I have to show, what are you going to say? Right. Again? All right, so we both agree we're going to have a, de- a, a definitive answer. Yeah.
1: So, so I, think, I think it's important, Gary, that what, what Rick is saying is that if you failed to get that commitment on the first call, that any time at all, actually, right, Rick, before you make the presentation, it's fine to get that agreement now. But you must get that agreement that when I make a presentation, I want this to come to a conclusion. Right. Hey, somebody's swearing on my chat room. Oh. <laughs> oh my goodness. Hey, excuse that. It must be, that's not, that's, that's not a contractor. It's somebody else out there. So, uh, you don't need any of this censored. Uh, how do you recover? Who gives a, oh my goodness. That's not very good. So anyway, we're gonna, we're gonna move forward here. So Rick, I'm gonna go ahead and, um, I'm gonna go ahead and recap this whole thing. You ready? You with me on this? Yes. All right. So basically, if you don't, if you leave the sales proposal behind on on an estimate, we all agree that it brings no value to the to the process. Number two, it it shows your relationship with the buyer is not very good. Number three, the customer must make a do-it-yourself proposal or presentation. And your sales process is weak and dysfunctional. If the customer sees your sales process is weak and dysfunctional, they gotta wonder what else is dysfunctional about you and the company. And five, if you fail to differentiate your services, how can you expect the customer to purchase something from you as opposed to one of the pack? And finally, your your propo- shows your proposal has really confused the customer to the point where they really can't come to a conclusion on this call. Would you agree with all those statements, Rick? Yes, I would. Rick, do you have anything you want to add in closing before I try and go ahead and open the phone lines here one time?
2: No, no I think you covered everything very well, Joe.
1: I, I think I think the bottom line here is understand this one principle: the moment you decide to leave that presentation behind, that is the moment that you lose control of your selling process. You have it turns you in from a sales professional who has a process that we can identify to a sales lotto winner who just puts a proposal out there and spins the wheel of fortune hoping for the best. Right, Rick?
2: Right. And right. I think there's
1: there's no that's no way to do business is just hoping for the best, is there? Hope is not a plan, is it? No, it's
2: not a plan. And like you always say, Joe, you're you're on, on the customer system or your system. Now, you know, you're know you in the houses every day, They with new people every day. They only deal with so many uh, salespeople in a year. You should be much better at it, and you should be much better at getting them onto your system, which is a functional system of making a decision at the appropriate time and and, uh, and really and cutting through all the, I want to think about it, all the stalls the customers have. And you should be able to get them uh, to only let, allow you to make a presentation when they're ready to make a decision.
1: Right, right. All right, we're gonna go try and open the phone line, Rick, and see what happens. Okay. All right. All callers are unmuted. All right, is anybody on the phone line who wants to make any comments or questions? Go ahead and go ahead and say your go ahead and say something to Rick. He's on the line right now, uh, waiting for you to talk to him. Go ahead. Anybody out there?
2: Hey, Rick. Steve from Dallas. Uh, appreciate y'all uh, going over this this week. It looks
0: good. I've uh, took some good notes, and uh, we'll see what you got for next week, but. Uh, I like what I hear
1: tonight. Rick, what did you get out of this meeting tonight? What did you, uh, what did you pull out of this? I know, cause last, actually, you inspired the meeting, so good job there. You, uh, actually, you see that report, I wrote that report on, it's on the internet on our, on our website. I actually made a special report download, uh, that's up there. So if any of you want to read this information, I, I put this all in writing, it's in a special report co- called, should I leave my information behind? Uh, or, or should I leave my proposal behind, right? Uh, what, what did you get from this, Rick? What's your uh, Rick from Dallas? What's your uh, what's your take on anything you learned tonight that was missing from the the approach we talked about before?
0: First off, my name's Steve,
2: Mr. Jones. I'm sorry,
1: Steve. <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway, now um, make the agreement before the presentation. Um, give me a yes or no if we're gonna do something before the end. you know if we're gonna if I'm gonna give you this presentation, I'd like to have a yes or no at the end of the presentation.
1: Yeah, especially because you're going to make a second trip, Steve. It it It's like you're going through more effort, so, therefore, I don't expect any, any payment for this effort, only a decision. Sure. I mean, and that's, that's really the key thing is that if you're going to make two trips out here, let's face it, another customer is going to pay the price for you making that second trip, right, because you could be somewhere else at this point, and it's using up company resources. And so, therefore, the only thing you do deserve, you don't deserve a yes every time. Uh, it would be nice, but you don't deserve that. But what you do deserve is you deserve a uh, to get a decision for sure right and that decision if you if you I tell you what if your integrity is high you will get a much uh, better chance of getting a decision than if you didn't right
2: yeah I mean I tell people all the time I said I'm a big boy I don't mind even being told no but if you don't want to do business with me I, I have a lot of other time and things we can be doing and other customers we can deal with so um, uh,
0: we have to have thick skin as a salesperson so
2: mm-hmm
1: Alright, uh, great. Well, th- thanks for, thanks Steve for uh, chiming in and I'm glad you, ho- hope you enjoyed this, uh, this segment and, uh, we hope to see you again, uh, someday soon and, uh, uh thanks for, thanks for, uh, showing up here again this week.
0: It was good, appreciate your time.
1: Thank you. Is there anybody else on the phone line who wants to go ahead and speak up and say, uh, something? Hey, we got a little issue with the chat room. It looks like it's a public thing, so we got a lot of, uh, people from the general public just making weird comments, so just ignore that. Anybody else on the phone line who'd like to speak up and ask Rick a question or, Make any comments?
0: Hey, Joe, this is Ken from Ohio.
1: Hi, Ken. How you doing? Good. How are you? Excellent. Ken Caldwell from just outside of Cleveland. Yep. So how's yeah, it going? I've how... been
0: going on quite a few calls lately. I've been doing, like, more indoor air quality type stuff, and, uh, you know, like, through the uh, energy program here, the Home performance by ENERGY STAR. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of having trouble getting people. Uh, it's almost like they don't know. You know, like when they're buying a furnace or air conditioner, they kind of know what they're deciding on and, and that they have, a you know, an actual need for it. And with this other stuff, it's sort of like um, creating an urgency. It seems like it's kind of tough, you know. I mean, they, they almost – they don't – they're not getting any other quotes from anybody. And sometimes they're just kind of shocked at the prices. And I'm getting I'm, – I'm trying – I'm having kind of trouble just doing um, – you know, just getting them to, to commit. Um
1: so you're not getting very much interest or desire uh, when you come. This is a home energy improvements we're talking about, right?
0: Yeah, it's like you know air sealing, duct sealing, and mm-hmm. you know uh, so, filters, you know air, indoor air quality kind of stuff.
1: Now, Rick, are you there, Rick? Still?
0: Yeah, I'm here. Yeah.
1: Rick, when you get a when you sell something that's a little bit off the beaten path, you know you've 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 had sales that aren't just heating and air conditioning sales. You do other things too, you know, ventilators or something like that that's a little bit off the beaten path. How do you get people? To uh, get interest in that, to where they are, um, that's a good question Ken raises, because, uh, with furnaces and ACs, he sounds like he's having a go, okay job, uh, getting their interest, because they, they're calling, because it's cold, out, obviously. But with something like air quality or just dust, how do you, um, what do you call it, uh, how do you create desire in the customer? What do you think?
2: Well, hey, what I do is I always reverse, and it seems to work very well for me. But I'll say to them, you know, if I was to guess, I would guess that you're um, absolutely satisfied with the quality of the air in the house. You have no dust. Everything is absolutely fine. You have no uh, allergens, and you're really happy with the quality of the air in the house, right? I
1: guess, so, so that's a good way of doing it. So basically then the customer starts to sell you. So, Ken, I would say to you that uh, by, by what you're saying, you have to be more skeptical when you walk in than you are probably. You're, you're probably too, you're too easily sold that this customer is going to come to a conclusion with this, that they actually do have an interest in it. So you have to you have to get sold more. And, you know, if you got that feeling inside of you, Ken, that these people really not have no idea what I'm selling them, or, or they should know about what they're they should know what problem they're trying to solve, so they should be selling you on the problem. So you have to be you have to you right, got yeah. you, you got to turn the table. Can I give an
0: example of that? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I think they understand. You know, like that that they want to have something done, but it, it's like to get them to. To say, hey, I'm going to make a decision on Friday or something is, is a little bit tougher, you know, because they, they don't have, like, they're not facing a no-heat issue. or no yep,
1: Yeah, but what you, what you have to raise there, Ken, is that your your company resources are being used here, and you deserve to get a conclusion to this. You've you got to raise that issue. Okay. You you, know, so you, you you have to be the one who says, you know, John, I know, I know it doesn't seem very important to you, but because I'm using up some company resources here, I could be in front of other co- customers, I think it's only fair that we bring this to a conclusion one way or the other within a period of time. So, what period of time can you give me that you can come to a conclusion on this? Right? You with me on that?
0: Yeah. So, I, I just uh, a lot of times, I mean, I
1: you, you got to raise that point that, from um, that
0: because like like they're not. Uh, you're asking them to make a decision on something that they're not even familiar with, you know?
1: If they aren't familiar with it, then I wouldn't make a presentation. If they are if they don't know what they're, if they don't know what they're hoping to get from this. And there's no interest in it, then I would never make a presentation. I wouldn't waste your time. Okay. If I don't got somebody who's completely begging me to give this presentation, uh, then why would I give it? The best, I tell you what, Ken, the best presentation you're ever gonna give is the one you don't give at all. The one that you hold back. Okay. Are you with me on that? Because if you hold back the presentation, then you're gonna then you're really gonna find what interest these people have. Okay. If you tell him I'm not going to give you, John, I'm not going to give you a presentation. I mean, I don't see why I should because right now it seems like you just have no interest in this stuff and I'm not sure why you even called. I mean, I just called just to, just to, uh, just to kind of talk about this stuff because we can always just talk on the phone. We don't got to talk here. I mean, you know, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't know you just had, you know, we should just cancel the call. Let's, let's just cancel the call and call me back when you're ready. And when you do that, you're going to, you're you're, you're, you're defining a moment right now in the call, Ken whether or not this customer has an interest, or whether they're just going to pull your chain.
0: Right.
2: And I, and I think, too, though, you'll find out, you create more interest in them by reversing it on them. Right? Like, like, for instance, I used to see problems with doctors, and I knew there was the a problem with it, and then I, so I wanted to correct the problem because I wanted the system to work right. Okay, in the past, I would say things like, you know, you, you must not be getting the air on the second floor. I mean, there's no way we're just stuck. Oh no! And then the customer would decide, oh, works fine. But now I will just say to them, you know, if I was the gifts everything on the second floor works fine, and, they, and the air is really balanced and even the house. And they're like, are you kidding me? I would freeze up there in the time, but we sweat up there in the summertime. Well, all right. If I could come up with solutions, to you 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 wouldn't want to hear that, would you? Oh, absolutely! You could—I'd love to hear that. And now there's some anticipation in my presentation because they've already told me that it's something they're interested in. You know what I mean? Whereas if I tried to tell them that such a thing is bad, now you know they, I haven't created an interest or such
0: them to be interested in it by reversing it. Yeah, Eric, But if you if you tell them, all right, now, you know, let's—you uh, know—I'll I'll come back and—I mean, you can't really say I'll, I'll come back and, and make a. I mean, if you could say you're going to come back and make a presentation to them, they don't really know even what lines you're going with, a, you know, like with a solution for that. You know, I mean, if you're if you're offering them air balancing or duct sealing or something like that, I mean, they, you know, when you sit down and talk with them about that, they it's like a whole new concept to them, really. You know? Well,
1: well, Ken, what what you have to get to, it goes back to? What are they hoping to? Accomplish with this, and, and, and you can't you can't make a customer be interested in something that they're not. Lewis, you, what? So, so what? what what, what,
0: what made you think to...
1: what made you think air balancing would be something that would benefit them? Ken, are you there? Ken, you there? Yes. Yeah. So, so the question is, you know, you have to you you, you got to be sold that this customer would benefit from air balancing before you present it. Now, I would never make a presentation if I wasn't convinced of that. If the customer didn't convince me, actually, the customer's got to sell me on the problem before I start presenting something to them. I, I feel that, Ken, what I'm seeing in your situation is that you're going to the presentation too soon when you haven't been completely convinced that this customer has uh, more or less begged you for the solution. Because if they did that, they would come to a conclusion then. You know, usually when it comes to this type of thing, usually the uh, problem is always screwed up right at the beginning, right when you first meet the customer. You you lose a lot of uh, a lot of the scarcity is lost because you're there saying things uh, that you're here to do something, and you're not here to do anything. You're here. To, you got to get sold first. The very first thing on your call you got to do is be sold as to what we're doing out here. Ken, you want me on that? Yeah. Make no assumptions like you're gonna make. Go in with a crappy attitude. The next time you go out there, let's say let's say the last couple of calls you went to, you had a good a good attitude. Man, I hope they're going to buy something. Forget that. Go out there with a crappy attitude. Say, Jen, what do you what? Are, why, why did you call about this stuff? I'm I'm surprised you even called. Why why is it that you called? Well, we just saw the Energy Star ad. Yeah, but a lot of people see that. I mean, you you, you got no interest in it, right? And if I had to guess, this house looks pretty dust free. Am I correct? There's no dust in here, right? No, there's a lot of dust. I mean, yeah, but you can live with it. You don't need to do anything. You're not doing anything about it anytime soon, right? So you got to be really skeptical, Ken, and make the customer sell you. Now, I'll, I'm going to guarantee, I know you, Ken, for a while. I'll probably guarantee you've never done that. Would that be correct?
0: No, I, I have. It's just. Uh, you, wait a second. The you have? Wait a second. That, but I, I just find that people, they don't even really know what. what. I mean, when, when you got, like, we go out and do a blower door test on it.
1: Uh-huh. Well, hang on for a second. What, why would they call for a blower door test?
0: Well, that's part of the Energy Star program.
1: Yeah, but what's inspiring the call? What, it's free? so It's just because it's free?
0: No, it's not free, but, I mean, they're just, you know, they're looking for ways to save energy mainly. I mean, a lot of them don't have a specific.
1: So you can solve a punch list. Hey, listen, I've done a lot of blower I've done over 800 800 blower door tests myself. You know, Brendan Reed, uh, I put put a lot of money in his pocket, believe me. And so I've done a lot of blower door tests, and I've sold millions of dollars in blower door repairs, okay? But I will tell you one thing. Is that those kind of calls, you definitely gotta be sold hard. You gotta sell me that. I'll tell you what, I sell that report, the the report about what to do, Ken, for your home, for about two grand. Really? That's what i sell that for. Just, just for me to do the blower door test, it might be $190, 200 bucks. For me to give you that report, a punch list of what you should do to improve the energy of your home, it's gonna be about uh, 1800 bucks more if you want that. That's my last option. Is the, is the is the to give you my findings. To give you, if you want to keep the sheet with the presentation and the findings, the punch list and the presentation, I'll go ahead and give it to you. It's only going to cost eighteen hundred bucks more. That's what I do. That's how that's how Uncle Joe rolls. Okay. <laughs> and I tell you what. You talk to Anthony Anthony from Clover Heating up in uh, Westchester. He sold six 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 or ten. Between six and ten of those energy reports for about two thousand uh, dollars, between fifteen hundred and two thousand dollars, you sold them for over the past two weeks. So that approach does work.
0: So if, if somebody wants to make their own repairs, you're just selling them the, the report, huh?
1: You sell them the report. That's the, this is do That's the bottom option.
0: Okay.
1: You sell for sell for eight hundred bucks. Sell for something. You already did the work, right? Right. Get something out of it. So that's the do-it-yourself is the bottom option. You know what happens? You tell people do-it-yourself on home energy repairs. They start looking at the other ones. Well, hang on. I'm not going to do all that. You say, okay, you're going to need to get some, some pink board. Go get some, uh, mastic. Go get some breathing masks. And pretty soon they're saying, uh, how much does this cost to fix it? How much does it cost for you to do it? <laughs> all right. We're going to, anybody else out there? Can, thanks, uh, Ken. Thanks for calling. I appreciate that.
0: Thanks for the help, Joe. Thanks, Rick.
1: And, 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 if we, and, Ken, we can talk privately too about that. Okay.
0: Okay. I appreciate it.
1: I'll give you a call later. All right. Anybody else on the phone line who wants to talk? We're going to wrap it up pretty soon here. Anybody else on the phone line who wants to go and add in their two cents? Hello. All right, Rick. Well, I guess that just Hi. about. Who, anybody out there? Who's out there?
2: No, it's me. I said I, 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 good thing because I'm almost at my next sales call.
1: All right, good. <laughs> well, Rick, I want to thank you for coming online with us tonight and for uh, being part of the show. I'm going to send you an extra cookie, an extra tin of cookies. Uh, that I have left over from the holidays, just uh, to re-gift it and give it to you, okay?
2: Yeah, yeah, those steel <laughs> cookies, oh, that'll be great.
1: Hey, uh, by the way, Rick, uh, I had a great time with you. Rick Rick joined me out in Las Vegas for a weekend before Christmas. We had a great time, and uh, actually we got a video we we're going to be posting with Rick and me at the Grand Canyon, and Rick almost fell into the Grand Canyon, right, Rick?
2: Yeah, it's because you were pushing me.
1: <laughs> I would never do that to my best friend. You kidding?
2: Upsy's empty was pushed.
1: <laughs> All right, everybody. Hey, don't forget... Uh, I'll, Rick, I'll, I'll say goodbye to you. Thanks a lot, and uh, have a nice one. For all of you, uh, we are now uh, taking orders. We now have seven people signed up for the Total Immersion class in Los Angeles, so uh, go on the Internet. Go to www.contractorselling.com. If you're interested in the live training we have with the six days of training, an iPod with 26 hours of videos, uh, I'm sorry, audios on it, uh, you get a DVD video of me doing the presentation. You get a tape of you doing the presentation, handing six, six objections, as well as four different books, and uh, a ton of information and five weeks of coaching afterwards, uh, personal coaching by me to show your improvement. Uh, for all of you who want to sign up right now, I tell you one thing: we did is we we are holding all the all the total immersion classes are being held in Los Angeles. There's no more traveling, except for we have one class in Baltimore. That class in Baltimore on the East Coast is $2,500 to come to that class. If you come to Los Angeles instead, it's uh, for ContractorSelling.com members, $1,647 or $1,797 if you're a non-member. So if you want to come to training, it's a lot less money than it was before because we're not going to travel and we have a, a, a place that's going to reduce our costs, so therefore we can pass that savings on to you. And just so you know, this last week we hit 600 members at ContractorSelling.com. We now have 603 members for the uh, going into this next week. I want to thank all of you out there for spreading the word. And I tell you what, I need your help getting the word out there about ContractorSelling.com and everything that we do for contract. This is this is no. This is as Bill O'Reilly would say, this is no spin zone, right? Uh, and this is a no-spin zone. This is, I don't, I don't, uh, blow smoke up your rear. This is not the watered down training that you, that you would normally get from, uh, other sources. This is definitely specific and we're gonna help you. If you wanna call me, anytime you wanna call me, you give me a call toll free. The phone number is 877-764-6304. Heck, I even pay for the call. Thank all of you for joining us and good night.